doing things a bit different this time around. Traditionally, we've recorded on a Tuesday night. My time, Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night for you both. Tuesday morning? Wait, no. Tuesday morning for me, Tuesday night for you. So it actually was the same day, and then Martin would roll over when we hit midnight. And I'll tell you what, every time we've ever done it, I've actually had a mild moment of, hmm, should I troll them and name the file the date that I actually finished? For anybody that can hear that, Martin has a new soundboard. Uh, He's got a little soundboard that's got birds and buses and toilet sounds, all your favorite gong sounds all on there. So, so yeah, so it's usually a Tuesday. It's usually quiet where Martin is because it's midnight. So, Martin, now today is a Sunday. We've changed it all up, not just the time, but the day. We're recording on Sunday, at least Sunday for me. Um, Martin, Sunday for you too, but clearly Wollongong, the bird life is alive and well. Um, the town is buzzing. What time is it? So uh, we've started around 1 p.m. my time, and because I live in the suburbs of Wollongong, more specifically, like uh, in more like in the foothills of our escarpment under Mount Kira, you've just got these hills with buses and hoods with motorbikes going up, as you might have heard. Birds are like going crazy. There are you know cars going down the road. It's just like wildlife bedlam. I love living here, but it's much much quieter when we normally record. So I hope the listeners enjoy it. We need to know what time it is for Jason because he's been the one suffering at 5 a.m., waking up for a 5 a.m. recording at our traditional time. So, Jason, have we done you a solid now or is it still terrible? Yes. Uh, No, everything is good now. We are at a solid 8 p.m. on a Saturday. It's kind of perfect. I don't know why we went an entire year uh, before we figured out that weekends existed. But we have now discovered that fact, and here we are. I want to give a huge Patreon thank you shout out to David H. Thank you, David. You are a global supporter. Wait, no. He was a hemispheric supporter and then upped it to global. That is dedication. Especially especially considering he initially supported the north and so what i like to think is that martin and i were engaging and wonderful enough that he realized that no that the cash shouldn't be going to jason it should be going to the global group i think can i tell uh, you guys a secret it's fantastic so when he subscribed to the north that made us even so regard like taking out the global ones right and the crazy people that do the above and beyond account that made us even between South and North, and I was pretty happy about that. Then I was conflicted because he upped it to global, which gave me minus one on the North back to zero. So I had a dilemma. Do we, or should I say, should I allow the account to remain at global, or do I secretly downgrade him back to North to make it even? It's less money, but then I'm back in the running. So... I'm a little conflicted, but either way, thank you, David. I think the difference really comes, I mean, the decision comes down to 
are you making him pay less for the same benefits? Because then it's, you know, it's a great victory for him and a victory for you. But I'm not sure how others would feel. What I appreciate with David is not only is he supporting us, but he's, uh, he's, he's bought into the Discord community as well. He has been chatting away there with us. Not just by himself. There's been others there too. Everyone's great there. Yeah, great yeah. dedication. So it's, it's, it's a fun place to be. I forgot I had that app and I realized it today and thought, this is the perfect opportunity for that. Which app is it? Thwip. Very useful, especially if you're in any kind of working environment where you're in like pretty serious meetings with people. Um, and, you know, if they are a little boring or if it's, uh, you know, something really profound. So I'm the Muppet who spent $50 on Farago. Clearly didn't need to do that. If you want to join in the Discord too, we'd love to have you. David's been great. All the current listeners have been there for a while, really enjoyed the dedication. And maybe a little bit more enticing for some of our listeners if you happen to be into gaming. I'm not. Uh, But Jason, I think you recently uh, came up with the idea to have a separate gaming channel. So we've now got a few more avenues for discussion, different things to... uh, to explore so if you're not into certain categories or you want to lean more into the media corner thing or the games or when we have live events and stuff following apple keynotes the discord's a really lovely place to engage with other listeners and chat to us yeah yeah it's it's evolving nicely i really like what's going on there and the reasoning behind adding more we used to only have i think two channels initially we just had the private and the public but as more and more people come on and more and more things are being talked about we think anyway, it makes sense to have more channels so that exactly that, if you don't give a crap about gaming, you can just mute that channel and never hear from it yet. Get all the information from the ones you do care about. Exactly. Cause I've loved seeing some of the things that have popped up in the gaming channel and have read it. And then I went, wow, that's really interesting. I have nothing to add. I'll come back later. Martin's Mr. Default. That's kind of what he's been tagged with. You know, regardless of what he uses, he doesn't use all default stuff, but he uses a lot of default stuff. Um, I was using some default applications myself, mm. and something's driving me a little bit bananas, and I'm just curious what you guys think about this. So, re- like, look at something like Reminders, right, where you can now put little uh, F- uh, SF symbols, right? I think that's what they're called, as the little category pictures and all that, and that's kind of coming around to different areas of the system. Here's my question. When I look in SF symbols, there are 3,164 distinct symbols that you can use from that uh, collection. That's great. That sounds fantastic. Why is it almost every app that uses the damn things gives you like six? Why can't I just pick all of them? Anybody have any idea, is this a we know better than you or what? I'm just very confused why there seems to be so many great little symbols and no one takes advantage of them. Now, just to clarify for people uh, listening and also maybe just for me, because I'm aware of SF symbols, but FZ, sorry, SF symbols are more something that is, is, is a more developer focused? Or yeah, something you, uh, yeah. My understanding is that it's, it's, yeah, it's a, a library of symbols that developers can, can use within their stuff so that I think it's, it's, it's a means of, Hey, you don't have to create all your own assets for everything. Here's like a bunch of little 
pictorials for basic, you know, all your stuff, you can just use these. There are so many of them. And yet every time somebody implements them, it's like 12 of them. Is there something in the HIG or the, uh, that says you, so many are reserved for interface elements? Maybe that could be. Because the first thing I'm thinking of, if you're talking about default apps or what Apple does, it reminds me, even though it's not SF symbols, I think immediately about the reactions in iMessage. Now, there are more possible reactions in human life or emotions than an exclamation mark and a question mark and a ha-ha and a thumbs up and all of that, right? But what Andrew just said, I think, lines up with it pretty well, that it's probably something... I don't know if it's in the human interface guidelines or maybe just this general philosophy that let's not clutter it up. Let's only give these options because that's all that people will generally need. And then the nerdier ones of us look at it and go, look at the communicative possibilities of these symbols. Why aren't they using it? Whereas most people just go, oh, I'll chuck this in. That's handy to have. And then maybe down the line when enough of us complain or say, you're not using it to its potential, it's rolled out as some enhancement or feature down the line. I'm, I'm just going to hit you guys with a bit of pseudoscience, actually. I'm wondering, I'm wondering whether it's something to do with the tyranny of choice. Um, have, have, you ever, have you ever come across the, uh, the jam experiment where people were offered the, ability, the opportunity to, to buy from a myriad of jam flavors um, as opposed to the, another group being presented with something like seven jam flavors or something like that, and it turned out that they sold more jam with the seven flavors as opposed to here are all the flavors in the world of jam that you could possibly have because the choice overwhelms people and you end up just walking away from it. It's too hard, too hard, too many. I'm overwhelmed with decision, the paradox of choice. I, I agree with that, but in the sense of something like a list where you're setting up different lists with symbols, if the default symbol is just like a little list three lines thing and you never want to change it, fine. But if I want to make a list that's for X, Y, Z, like, why would you not let me just pick all of them? I don't know. It just seems like you went to all the trouble of making all these symbols. Let me use them. It's like streaming services. I cut down on the streaming services that we had to the ones that we actually used. So did right? we. There you go. So I got rid of Stan, which is in Australia. They actually have arguably a much better movie selection than at least what Netflix does in Australia. You could squabble over the TV selection, but got rid of that. I've been happier because it's like, oh, here's the actual selection of paid stuff and the free-to-wear apps that we have. But then talking about the myriad opportunities to watch stuff, I then thought, oh, Stan had all of the 007 films. Now I don't have access to all the 007 films. And then I thought, oh God, do I, need to, do I need to sign up for that again? And then I went, you know what, Martin? The whole time that you had Stan, you never watched one 007 film. You should be comfortable with that decision. So I'm not saying it's entirely analogous to what you're saying, Jason, but I kind of get what Andrew's saying, that whether it's a human interface thing or choice, you know what, maybe too many SF symbols would drive you crazy. Okay, so it's a decision by the foot. I got it. Thanks. Office 365. It's now Microsoft 365, Jason. Uh, you're not up to date with the branding. Oh, really? I had it's, no idea. Yeah, yeah. I honestly it's didn't know that. Oh, it really okay. is now. Yeah, it's not Office 365 now. It's Microsoft 365. Well, back in my day, it was called Office 365, and it had all of your 365 needs covered. Um 
I don't really have much to say about it. I've just been using it because I have to, and it's actually pretty fine. I'm shockingly surprised how well it works with other stuff. I've been using it with Fantastical and Apple Mail. Mm-hmm. Works totally fine. Very surprised. There was a day when trying to use Apple Mail and an alternative calendar with anything Outlook Microsoft related was an absolute nightmare. Now it's 100% fine. I mean, even down to the calendar, selecting the calendar, letting you select calendar categories within the calendar is shockingly fine. I'm not going to say it's great because it's calendar and mail, like whatever. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's going. I still don't really use Word, PowerPoint, or Excel, but the mail stuff seems good. Well, on the office topic, uh, I also use very, very seldom do I use things like Word, PowerPoint, and Excel, only if I really have to through work. Uh, Most of my writing takes place, you know, uh, in a separate application or drafting anything like TOT. I will say something briefly on Teams. Uh, Teams is interesting, I find. Teams I'm very conflicted about because on the one hand, I think if you really adopt it, as I have uh, through work separately in life, uh, it can cut down on emailing. It becomes a much more efficient way of actually talking to people in your team, hence the name. And if you're efficient and agreed upon in terms of how you're going to do your file management, attaching things, cutting down on things like V1, V2, V3, V4 final, V5 final edits with this initials, and it just drives me nuts. It actually cuts all of that out of your life. So I really want to praise Microsoft for coming up with something which is, you know, by and large, a bit of a ripoff of things like Slack and Discord, but tailored towards the work environment. I think it's very, very good. What annoys me, though, is that because it isn't, you know, like a natively running application and it's got that whole... I don't know if it's really Electron or Java or whatever's going on. I don't have that knowledge, but it's you can just feel it's Electron, right? Yeah, soon, soon to not be. Okay, well, it might be better. I, I'll reserve judgment for then. But in the meantime, it's just you know you go to the About box, for example, in the drop-down menu, and there's no About box. It comes up with this bizarre grey banner, right? Uh, you you highlight elements of the interface, and you can actually copy them. They're like just sitting text. It's not proper Chrome. Uh, you go to define a word with force touch on your trackpad, but you can't because it doesn't actually connect to that part of the system. Um, it just it doesn't have the proper font smoothing that's in other applications. For some reason, uh, it refuses to acknowledge AirPods sometimes, or if you do get them working, they cut out. So it's like this great work philosophy, as far as I'm concerned, that they've achieved with the app, but in the way that it syncs with a computer and even if it's on windows i have i've used it on windows and it's still displeasing uh it's just like they didn't get there they didn't finish the job yes teams (laughs) i've used teams as well and it's it's okay um it doesn't i i just find it personally confusing because it feels like there are eight ways to do each thing. And to your point, if everyone is not 100% using Teams with OneDrive, with, uh, you know, whatever SharePoint thing, if you're not using all the stuff 100%, it gets real confusing. The only thing that's been driving me nuts with Teams is the, um, the chats 
it like creates a new chat for every meeting, but you can't delete them when they're done. I don't know why I would want an infinite level, like list of chats from meetings from five months ago. And then the teams aspect is weird because there's teams, the app, then there's chat in the app, then there's calls in the app, but then there's also teams in teams, Mm. which is weird. Teamception, I guess that's called. And I still don't fully get what the teams are. Are they folders? Are they, what are they? I don't know. Are they little wikis? They're kind of everything. They're folders. There's wikis. There's chat. There's uh, SharePoint. There's business BI or whatever the hell. There's a lot going on in there. And I think the problem for most organizations is that it's just so overwhelming. Everyone just quits. It's like an operating system inside an app. It's like the American work equivalent of WeChat, I find. But if I can offer some Feldfoot advice for how you should approach all these different channels, because as I said, even though the app generally offends me in its design, I do like it as a work environment, um, at least very useful where I work. Uh, the way that I've approached it is the teams within the team are the places where you actually live, right? So this is where... Well, you don't have to. Okay. Not in real life, Jason. Okay. So, yeah, you you still reside in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Uh, So this is where the actual team discussion happens with the people with whom you are closely working. And I love to use the conversations view and actually give every conversation a bold dated heading. So that means that when you skim through the conversations, you can actually see... Do you know what I'm talking about here? No, I'm launching it now. What are you even saying? You're like a team's wizard. Are are you like one of those... SME teams people. So so let's say you let, let's say hemispheric views were a team, right? Oh my gosh. This is nuts. I'm getting a whole training session right now live people. This usually costs money by the way. This is usually like a silver Microsoft partner service, so Yeah. I I'm telling you the way I'm telling you the way you should use it, all right? So in your team, let's say there's a hemispheric views team. Listeners, you can play along. Let's say you have a team that is at work that you have, right? Right? So the thing is If you just start a new thread as a comment, that is actually incredibly annoying because then it just gets overwhelming in a sea of threads. And when you're searching for stuff, it's impossible. If you press that little A with like an edit button there, you suddenly have the option of doing rich text and linking and formatting, right? You see what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you can add a heading. So what I do is, for example, it would be 2021-09- you know, whatever the day is. And then something like meeting on this or project on that or something. And then whenever you're working on that given thing with the people in your close team, you keep all discussion and files just to that thread. And any files that you add are encapsulated or stored just purely within that team. And then when you scroll through, rather than, you know, you could use the search function, you can scroll through and see an entire chronological list with headings of all the stuff that you've discussed in their own threads. What I was going to say about the chat thing, chat is really good in the sense of talking to people who aren't necessarily within your team. But where I found the meeting stuff really handy, you know how you said, Jason, like a meeting that you had three months ago and what's it for, right? They're both nodding at me like I'm a crazy person. Um, The benefit of those chats is that I often, for example, will have meetings with people outside of my specific team. 
but where do you put the stuff that you were talking about? That ends up normally being relegated to email and then where the hell's that email? If you had a meeting about certain files, yes, it hangs around, but as time goes on, it just drops off and falls into the past. But if you go into your file search, right, at the top of Teams, and you search, what was that thing again? It will actually surface it for you, Spotlight or Alfred style, and bring files or messages back from previous meetings that are stored where the discussion actually happened. Apple-centric podcast, my ass. You just got teamsed. No, seriously, it's an ugly app and it's horrible, but this is actually a tool that Apple is lacking. Microsoft's done a very good job with it. Teams. Wow. Wow. That, that, my head is just, you know, the emoji with the exploding head? That is literally me right this moment. That was incredible. That was incredible. That is staying in the show unedited. That was amazing. The only thing I've got to say, I I can't say that word. I really, I really dislike Teams. But it's, it's like Jason said, um, if everyone's using it and using it properly and there's a system and you know where things go and you rely less on email, it's very, very powerful. The problem is that it's ugly. So I'm actually really, you know, without going too much into the work I actually do, because that's not what this podcast is about. Uh, it's, just, it's just a really, really handy way of, you know, having things not be in multiple versions and everyone's living in the same area. And it's like, what was that called again? What was the subject? You can just search it. The one thing I said, I had the most Microsoft-y experience with Teams. I thought, I'm going to create a new Teams group that was specific to a core, like a little project team. I thought, I'm going to create a team. I couldn't do that. I had to contact my administrator. Mm. Thanks, Microsoft. Contact Martin. I was going to say, you can make that a chat. Mm. Well, thanks, Microsoft, for designing a really bad information architecture that didn't make sense to me. As... As usual, though, all of their iOS, iPadOS apps are so much better than the... Yeah. It's crazy the difference between the macOS versions and the uh, and the iPadOS, iOS versions. They're just... It's it's clearly two wholly different teams, and the, the iOS people obviously are very into using iOS because they totally get it. And every time I've opened any of the apps it's like this is fantastic (laughs) why is this not on the mac it's the same with outlook i use outlook on the watch every day to see what meetings are coming up but and i use it on the ipad and the iphone all that stuff but i refuse to use it on the mac anymore because i would just have all of this stuff downloading in the background that made no sense filling up my disk so now i go through outlook through the browser have you tried the new outlook i did it was real weird and it didn't do half the stuff it's supposed to do oh it's it's bad it's better in the browser. It doesn't have Apple Script support. Um, it, it, I get prompted for password authentication every single or every twenty four hours with the new Outlook, with two factor authentication as well. So no, not a go, not a starter. The other thing I'll say about Microsoft three sixty five, it's all well and good until you have multiple Microsoft accounts. I have to for because of my work. I have to have three different Microsoft accounts. I am never logged into the correct one and it's, it's a disaster. See, and then you start to have different browsers for different logins and then you have to try and remember which one's for which. It's, it's horrendous. So. Can I, can I switch topics to bring us down off of that high that was Teams discussion? That was, that was really intense and I'm not sure that anyone 
even has any brain power left to process anything else we have to say. Cause that was just, that was some serious knowledge being dropped all at once. I did not expect that, but thank you. Neither did I. I have two dumb little apps I'd like to tell you guys about <laughs> that aren't office related. This is app corner. I think can we call it app corner? Is that taken already? I'm not sure if we've done app corner in the past. I don't think so. Let's road test it because one could argue that an app is a form of medium or content which may fit into media corner. But if you can differentiate it enough, we might have a new segment here. That's the Feldfoot speaking. Can I try a jingle? Yes. You want apps? We got apps. It's hemispheric apps. Hmm. It sounded a little McDonald's in the beginning, but I'm, I'm, I'll go with it. I'm willing to pull that out of the episode and include that in every edit from now on. Okay, the app corner of the day, two of them that I've found useful as of recent. One is called ETA, the three letters E-T-A, estimated time of arrival. You put in a bunch of locations in a list with their addresses, and you have one nice little dashboard view of how long it's going to take to get to that location from where you're at right now. And you can set them based on car, walking, or transit. So if you have like work and home and maybe like a if you go to a gym or something or whatever your normal day-to-day stuff is, it's really awesome to just be able to pull up this quickly and see, ooh, traffic is a nightmare. I'm just going to go ahead and wait before I head home or oh, it's good right now, let's go. So it's pretty awesome that it just gives you everything you need, super quick, one view, done, and it's on your watch too. I had that on my wish list for the longest time, and just recently I deleted it, realizing that I never traveled anywhere. True. I had not needed it for the last quite a while, but I've been needing it lately, and it's been quite handy. And anywhere in Perth, if you need to go anywhere in Perth, it's either going to take you 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour. Uh, that's basically, that's it. But that's because of distance. And traffic. But also, there's no alternative ways. It's not like you can go the, take the other way to get there quicker. It's like, there is one way. You're on the freeway. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. Second app, coming from our longtime sponsor, SetApp, uh, is an app that fixed an issue that I've been trying to solve for, this is one of those classic things. You're like, how do I make the Mac do this thing that I want it to do? There's got to be an app for this somewhere. So I'm looking around, looking around, came across it accidentally in setup. It's called El Dente Pro with a little weird plate of spaghetti because I don't know what it has to do with pasta, but here we are. So here's, here's the scenario. Let me paint you a picture. You've got a nice big monitor, right? beautiful 5k 6k whatever k you've got a macbook because you need it to be portable sometimes you love the USB-C lifestyle right where you put your macbook down one plug gives you power display all your accessories that are plugged into the monitor what more could you ask for here's the problem the m1 macbook battery life is insanely stupid and lasts far too long for a computer, right? So you plug it in beginning of your day and you're like, oh, I got to take it somewhere. Let me take it somewhere. I go to do whatever, come back, 
how's the battery only gone down like 1% in the last many hours? This doesn't make sense. So you plug it back in. Then you begin to think, it's probably not good to just have this thing sitting there at 100% forever. That's just not good for batteries. I think we know that now. But what are you going to do? If you unplug it, you lose everything. It's an all or none situation, which is unfortunate in that respect. So I'm thinking, how do I make it? How do I make the computer not be powered through that cable, but still give me the display and all the other crap? Is that even possible? Am I a madman? I don't know. Let me go look. So I'm looking around, not finding anything. And then I find this plate of spaghetti. How's that going to help me? Sure enough, it does exactly what I friggin' want. It lets you say, charge the, you can either charge the computer while it's plugged in, discharge the computer while it's plugged in, or it discharges when it's on battery. So you can say, hey, I'm plugged in, but go ahead and just discharge down to like 50%. And then once it hits 50, either hold or go back up. So it's just like a cool little thing that, manages the ability to power through that single cable and somehow cut it off. I didn't even know that was possible, but here we are. Plate of spaghetti, problem solved. So if you're a single cable kind of person and you don't want your brand new precious MacBook to have a crap battery in like the first year, uh, get check this thing out. It seems to do what it claims uh, I watched the battery discharge when it was plugged in so I know it was actually doing it there you go app corner insert jingle outro I just want to know about the uh, pasta app al dente pro uh, is this something that you're thinking about a lot when it's on or is it really just taking care of everything for you no it just takes care of it on the back a back end and you can put the little icon in your menu bar to show you either a plug with a plus, meaning that it's plugged in and charging, a plug with a minus, meaning it's plugged in but not charging, or if you're off, it'll just be, uh, I think, a battery with a minus because it's just doing battery since it's not plugged in. Uh, but yeah, I don't look at it at all now. Uh, I was just concerned because I would main the majority of my day is plugged into that monitor, and I know that that's just going to be hell in a year that that battery is going to be tanked Uh, and you just you don't lose battery like you used to which i know sounds like a stupid thing to complain about but generally you would leave your desk and go for a few hours to meetings or whatever and you'd come back and be like oh thank goodness i could plug back in and charge that battery back up now i come back and it's like you're at 94 percent like how how is this thing lasting 50 million hours it doesn't make sense i have a question does the pasta come with meatballs don't think so but that would be great if the free version had no meatballs and then the pro version had meatballs that yeah, would be yeah in-app will... purchase yeah. yeah just yep Ooh, i'm looking at the icon it looks like there's maybe is it basil in the sauce it doesn't look like they're big enough chunks to be meatballs mm. okay. i'll submit a uh, a request yeah i'll submit a request for that boop 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 that was hemispheric Apps. I'm loving it. This setup, I tell you what. Damn, I swear that stupid subscription thing is, it's a gold mine. Every time I open the thing, I find something else that is intriguing or 
at the very least opens my eyes up to something that I didn't know existed, but I use so much stuff from that um, subscription. It's cra- it, it has to be the poster child or whatever you want to call it of what you would want a subscription, software subscription to be. Maybe that's not true for everyone, but for me at least, so many apps I use in that and just it's one of like generally I'll you know new computer I'll install the the basic you know password manager blah 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 setup now is like up there in the top three of things I install right away because it's it's its own little mini app store where I can just go through and go boom 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 yeah I've had it since the start I was um I subscribed straight away I was one of the people that they interviewed as for their user stories when they were first developing the thing um I kind of I know, I can't quite remember how that came about, but... Are you on the website? Like, is there a thing from you that says... There was, there, I think there was at one point in time, there may have been, right early on, I think I might have had a pull quote, but not anymore. If there wasn't a testimonial, if there wasn't a testimonial on the site with a picture of you to the side with the speech bubble coming out and you're wearing a tie, I'd be very disappointed. I know, I could have said, I get all my business work done with setup. <laughs> <laughs> I just subscribed again just from you saying that. That's how powerful that was. But no, I've been so I've been with them since the start, and I look at it occasionally and think, "Am I still getting value for money?" I absolutely am. They have a couple of the tent pole apps, you know, sort of the big dogs, which are you know, your Ulysses and Mars Edit and so on, which are kind of like the well-known apps that you you arrive for. But then there's just a plethora of other things, um, almost you know, and a lot of them I don't need or I've got other options, but it's still more than pays for itself. And it's cool sometimes just to try stuff that you may think, I don't know, maybe that's for me. Maybe it's not. I've, I think I've tried almost damn near everything on there. If it's like, oh, here's a new whatever, I'll give it a shot. It's on there. I, I'm not going to lose anything. That My biggest thing in the beginning was I had a lot of the stuff already. So it was like, why am I going to pay for it again? But in the end, as things get revved and there's new versions, then it just sort of takes care of itself. Here's a question based on your question, Jason. Yeah. As Mr. Default, do I or do I not have setup? You absolutely do not. Andrew? No, you don't. Why would you spend money on something? Oh, you know me well. I don't have it. No. <laughs> uh, not because I'm against it or because I'm cheap. I just went, yeah, I don't need it. Well, I love it. I'm glad you love it. And I want to keep hearing about it in App Corner. What's the jingle again, Andrew? Um, boop, boop, boop. Hemispheric apps. It seems like it's getting slightly worse each time. I would take the I would re- take the recording from the first one, probably. Media Corner. I'm going to talk about a book. We haven't had a book in a while. A book, that's right. Everybody watches TV these days. See, look how look how learned we are, everyone. We talk about books and Office 365. I am listening to a book. Turns, turns out my wife actually read this book about nine months ago while we were on a holiday, and then she gave the book to a person working at the place we were staying at because they showed an interest in it. And she thought, Andrew won't like this book. 
I'm going to give it to this random person instead so it will get more value. Mm-hmm. I forgot all about that. And then I found this book on Audible and I thought, I like the sound of that. And I've, I've liked the author's previous works. So I'm going to get it. So the book is by Craig Sylvie and it's called Honeybee. Craig Sylvie is an Australian author. Even better than that, he's a Western Australian author. So his previous work was called, previous well-known book is called Jasper Jones. Um, they even made a movie out of that. Um, great book. So seeing him, I was like, right, I'm going to get into this. It was so, it's so nice to, and now I'm listening to the Audible and the performer on the Audible, got the, the narrator is so good. Just does a really good job with it, which is another thing entirely. But it's so nice hearing a story that's based in your hometown. And it's sort of, it's such a rare thing for a Western Australian Perth person to hear references to places that you can relate to because usually it's set somewhere else. And I sort of wonder if people in New York get this feeling at all because, or is it just so common that, of course, people mention Central Park and West 25th Street or something, and everybody just knows what that means. But I don't, right? I've been to New York, but I don't know it like that. But if you talk about places in Perth, I know where you're talking about, and I can visualize it, and I understand. They talk about the suburb of Hamilton Hill, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that suburb's like. And it brings a whole nother character into this story. So me as a local, I'm loving it. But the story itself is incredible. Of a, um, tells the story of a young boy who's had a really difficult upbringing um, and is just in a really challenging environment and is about to commit suicide. Um, and is saved by an old bloke, and they form an unlikely friendship. Um, and it's it's a really sensitive story. I don't want to give too much away. I don't want it to be spoiler spoiler heavy. But it's just it tells a tr- a really emotional story of somebody who, by virtue of their upbringing, their life has become much harder than it might otherwise have been. And I'm not quite finished yet. I've got about two chapters left to go, so I don't know how it ends. But it really is a really impactful book. Um, and the characters are so Australian. The setting is Australian. It's, it's a lovely thing. So Honey Bee by Craig Sylvie. Really give yourself... Don't be, don't be horrified by the Audible. Get that. It's 12 hours, but I've been listening at 1x. Haven't even sped it up. Just been enjoying it. So either do that or um, get it as a, a real book. And do you find that you enjoy books more or less or about the same when you hear them? I probably about the same. What I, I probably actually enjoy reading a book because I think I can get through it quicker, but I never sit down to read a book. So I probably, you know, by listening, I actually finish it. <laughs> so. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I was just interested because uh, I've tried listening to an audio book before and, and the story you described sounds genuinely interesting. I couldn't get into the flow of listening to someone else read through my earphones the same way that I enjoy a podcast. I, I'm I'm quite staggered at the difference between listening to conversation and listening to a text. I would always personally choose just to read because that fits my brain better. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And I can relate with the whole Perth thing because no one really writes stories in Wollongong. For some reason, they don't want to take uh, have events take place at Crown Street Mall. It's just not an interesting place. I like audiobooks a lot, but it's so dependent on the person reading it. 
sometimes you'll start one and the person's voice just feels like a screwdriver being stabbed in your head. And it, it, it may not have anything to do with them. It's just the way that you're, you act, you know, your brain is interpreting that is just not working, which sucks because you've already bought the audiobook at that point, obviously. So it's not like you can return it. So a while ago on micro.blog, there was a conversation taking place uh, between a few people we know um, about the availability of different movies and TV shows in different geographical regions on iTunes or now what the Apple TV general interface that exists now. And I think they were from memory talking about, uh, as an example, the movie Playtime, a French uh, comedy film from years ago and that isn't my media corner pick but it prompted me to think about that whole idea of what things from different countries are or aren't available in other countries and I can't even remember if I've brought this up on the show before but it's one of my favorite programs so if I have I'll say it again I wanted to bring up one of my favorite tv shows that's ever come out of Australia and then we're going to get Jason to see if it's available on iTunes where he is right it's called Review with Miles Barlow have either of you heard of this no Right. To me, and look, I might be totally overrating it for everyone who is currently listening, but this is one of my all-time favourite Australian comedies. So you have to understand that there was a TV show in Australia called At The Movies with Margaret and David. Now, Margaret and David uh, were two very, very popular film reviewers, and they still do it, but they had their own program, and they would often you know, review the same film but have totally different uh, viewpoints on it and they would bicker and argue and it became a bit of a, a running joke that they would often disagree on the films and it would be like oh David you just don't understand oh Margaret I didn't like this and they would just bicker about it great television well R- Review with Miles Barlow was this dark comedic satire of shows like that but Miles Barlow is this complete fictitious figure right who thinks that it's not enough just to review art or different activities you need to go above and beyond for your listeners or viewers and review life in general. So he has these made-up viewers in this entirely scripted TV show made to look like it's the real deal, sending in letters about, hmm, I'm thinking about, you know, divorcing or killing someone or trying this and that. And he goes to serious lengths as if it's his real life to come back to the show to report on the experience of these different life events or circumstances so he actually goes out and kills someone and gives it a star rating at the end and you see the whole process of him planning on killing someone and coming up from coming up with a motive and then dealing with the aftermath of what's occurred and even things like uh you know reviewing what it's like to have self-belief and then he goes and enters like this nine-step program to see if he can actually achieve self-belief so i could go on forever about this show but it's a great example of dark Australian comedy and even though each of the reviewed segments that he does whether it's murder or belief like I said they end up actually intertwining in a way and you see the effects on his own personal life throughout the series as he makes all of these horrible decisions to give star ratings on his television show so that's it Jason is it available in iTunes in the US review with Miles Ooh, it's not looking good it is not looking good and there you go so I mean, I'm open to questions about the show if you have any interest, but what do you think about this whole geographical difference thing? Do we think it's silly that in 2021 you can't find the show that exists elsewhere within the iTunes infrastructure? The fact that we have the internet and it's this global with no boundaries, put a little star on that, 
thing. That's what it's always been claimed to be. That's what the vision for it was. Yet it's more siloed than anything else, I feel like. And arbitrarily and artificially. And it's complete BS. So I completely agree. So this one was brought to me by my lovely wife. And it is called Detective Conan. It's my new favorite thing ever. And it is a, uh, let's see, how do I hopefully describe this correctly? It is a Japanese detective book. I believe it was a book series first. Well, I know it was, but I mean, I don't know if it's a comic technically or a, anyway, book series. And it is also a show, uh, an animated show. It's been going since I think 1996 and it's still going today. So I have downloaded uh, in the way that I previously mentioned, um, I think we have 1,100 and something episodes and we started from number one. So there you go. We've got a ways to go. I think we've calculated that we have about three years to catch up. Um, And it is, the story is there's a high school detective named um, Shinichi and he gets transformed into a tiny child via some magical drug and now he is this like amazing detective but he's small little child so no one takes him seriously and he lives with this um uh this guy and his daughter and his the dad is a detective but he sucks and he's stupid and so he always basically knocks him out and then like does all the stuff in the background to make it look like he's solving the cases it's hilarious and amazing, and I love everything about it. I, she has known about it forever, and um, I knew ten kind of side about it because she has a bunch of the books and stuff, but I never really looked into it. So we started watching it, and I'm absolutely hooked, and it's just the best. So I, I'll it'll be in the show notes, obviously, but I don't know what I'll link to, but I'll at least link to what it is and try to link you to where you can find it. I know there's some of it on um, Crunchyroll, if you have that, but it only has like episode 715 on or something. So you, you, you might need to do some internet sleuthing to download the rest. But again, that gets into that whole question that we just spoke about a second ago of why isn't it just available? Yeah, Because exactly. surely it's in the interest of said creators for you to discover it because it sounds really it sounds hilarious i just feel really sorry for this transformed kid detective to be so good at your job and then no one takes you seriously 